I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to ask any questions. I probably should have asked more questions. It was honestly the the the. Hey everybody, welcome to another week of the Soccer Thread Podcast. I'm Dan Schrader, I'm in Portland, Oregon. Uh, I'll give you my weather update. I'm looking out the window, it's kind of like a little bit of blue. And you know what, that's not bad for middle of January in Portland. I'll take it. It's been a lot of walks in my life recently. Get outside, get some fresh air. Love a walk. Uh, the newborn. You know who loves a walk? The newborn loves a walk. <laughs> Just passes out. It's a good it's beautiful. kid. beautiful. Yep. true. Yep. Uh, so that's my life. Just just hoping that the weather's good enough for a walk. That's essentially it. Uh, Ryan Palmer, also in Portland. Well, a couple of things. First of all, I would like to issue an apology. Uh, <laughs> I was... Uh, I'm sorry that Mike was left out of the shoveling discussion from um, mm-hmm. from last week. Uh, there may or may not have been some said some things said about Mike that were um, not very nice, and I, for one, would would like to apologize for that. So this who, is my apology to her. Who are you who are you apologizing to, though? I'm a, I'm apologizing to you, Mike, for not including you, and uh, to uh, one of our you know, banner listeners, uh, who left, uh, somebody left a, a comment that said that the only thing that this podcast needs is more Mike. And I should have listened to that. And that's my fault. So <laughs> I, I would like to apologize. So, um, on top of that, on top Apo- of that apology, a hundred percent accepted. Well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. You didn't have to do that. I just needed to apologize. You didn't have to do that. <laughs> can, I think, I think can I we loop back to all all the topics that Mike and I didn't get to talk about last week, can we just loop back to all of them? 100%. I mean, why not? <laughs> all right. Why not? Do you want to finish your apologies first, or should we talk about shoveling? Well, I have no more apologies. I do want to say that I took a lovely, lovely walk. Uh, mm-hmm. It has been a just an unbelievable weekend in the Palmer Smolovitz household. Um, Excellent. A lot of great time with my wife and my daughter. Uh, my daughter rolled from back to front yesterday. Let's go. And, uh, Let's it was, go. That was a big, big moment. Um, it's just been a great weekend. It's been a great weekend. She's, my daughter's been very pleasant. Um, the way she's rolling, I th- future keeper. A lot of people are wondering. Uh, no, F- future Neymar. No, nope. future Neymar. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's just it's been a great weekend, and yeah, it's about a- to get ruined by the Steelers. So you know, here we go. <laughs> At least you got the good stuff in. Yeah. Uh. uh I'm actually, I don't think I'm going to talk about shoveling because it would, <laughs> there was plenty of shoveling content. There was a lot last of week. shoveling talk last week. Yep, let it go. Uh, Mike is in Minneapolis. Oh, man. What a difference two weeks can make. Uh, two weeks ago, Dan and I were on the pod. I was just talking about what a great year 2022 is going to be, how excited <laughs> I was for the year, talking about, uh, you know, my scoring escapades on the soccer field. Um, And since then, you know, I had a game. uh, The pod was recorded Sunday. Had a game on Monday. First half, your boy scores a hat trick. I don't know if I've ever scored a hat trick before. Flying to the sun. Just and the last goal was just so great. It was it was one where I kind of got the ball like twenty five yards out, kind of right in the middle of the field, and a guy was overlapping, and I kind of just did a little 
a little uh, sh- shimmy to kind of make it seem like I was going to pass it to the guy overlapping. That's my favorite. The fender we just talked about that two weeks bites, ago. Just bites just a little bit. Just shows me enough of the goal. I just put it in the corner. <laughs> keeper gets a palm to the ball, but there's too much power behind it. The keeper couldn't stop yeah. it. Don't they? I'm surprised that the league doesn't know. You never show let Mike see any other goal. No, no, not from that range. 25 yards out. That's just that's just like dropping a, a coin in a bucket, baby. No On problem. His right. Never, never. First half hat trick. Uh, unfortunately, our goalie in this game was just terrible. Uh, you you name a type of bad goal to give up. This goalie did it. Uh, ball just going through his hands. Check. Uh, when playing out of the back goes wrong. Check, just played the ball right to the other team's forward. Um, a oh, ball God. that was kicked like like a clearance from the other keeper that just bounces and then hits off the crossbar. And then an attacker, like this was like one of the worst goals I've ever seen. Uh, I don't know this what, is, what they were exactly, doing there. This is exactly why uh, an adult league goalkeeper, this is why you don't play adult league goalkeeper. It's just, I can't believe you're talking about it on the pod. You're, I know. If, this was the, when you guys were talking about this last week, I have thoughts about everything you talked about last week. <laughs> the number one rule, you said don't talk about being a goalie. 1B is never ridicule the goalie. Yes. Because you don't just keep your terrible right. goal. You just trot back Look, up to the half line. Your, your, boy, you your boy can only be pushed so far. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's going to happen? But, that guy... That that person, I don't know who you're, who's playing in goal, but that person is going to take their gloves off, and they're just going to give you the gloves. And that now you are in goal. that honestly would have been okay in this instance. <laughs> oh, careful! Twenty twenty hindsight. Twenty twenty <laughs> hindsight. In fact, yeah. Because anyway, the reason I bring this up is because the team we were playing was not that good, but we are losing because we just gave up like literally like five or six terrible goals, like just incredibly soft goals. Uh, so your boy was really um. He was he was playing hard in the second half, despite the fact he had a first tra- first half hat trick. He should have been cruising. Um, and literally a minute left in the game, here's a pop. Uh, mm. Achilles gone. Oh god, Whoa. tough, tough, tough start to the year. Twenty twenty two turns out going to be a shit year. <laughs> Absolute garbage year. I mean, Mike, Mike, it's January, so you really. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say this, but I feel like you have nowhere to go but up. Look, you can yeah, say, so you can say whatever you want, good. but I've it's learned really... that any expectations are just going to come and kick you in the ass. And the kicker on this is, I don't know if I've told you guys this, uh, I was also like, oh, my family just got over some health scares, and then my dad fucking fell and broke his hip, and he needed to have oh surgery God. too. Just like, Whoa. fuck, all right, no more talk of optimism. That is not soccer related on the pod. I can take soccer failures. That's what soccer is all about. But no more That's... personal optimism on the podcast. It's too dangerous. I mean, <laughs> it's very much the point of sports is that you can put these emotions into a thing that doesn't actually matter, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. I think Super Producer Cliff was uh, texting us asking why everyone cares about uh, Djokovic in Australia when there's so many better things to worry about in the world. And it's like, yeah, because uh, yeah, if you're optimistic in real life, it hurts too much. If you're optimistic in sports, then, you know, or you can practice being angry in sports and it doesn't have any effect. Like, that's what, that's what we're yeah. here for. That's yeah. true. And so, the other lesson is hope kills. Hope kills. <laughs> and also don't tear your Achilles cause it's a pain in the ass. Ugh. Uh, but also I'm so sh- sorry, Mike, 
Yeah, it's okay. I'm actually not in very much pain. Uh, even even before the surgery, before I had fancy meds, uh, it wasn't so bad. So I've I've been there when people have like broken their legs and they are just in excruciating pain. Yeah. And uh, I would say if someone comes up to you and says, "I'll either break your leg or tear your Achilles," I'd go with the Achilles. But otherwise, I wouldn't ask someone to tear your Achilles for you. You even just saying that you uh, one of our good friends and teammates had his leg broken during a soccer game in mm-hmm. college mm-hmm. and I will never forget the yell. Yeah, that he, was I mean that was pretty bad. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh what are the odds that your dad will be listening to the podcast um during his recovery? Uh will that make slim. the recovery better or worse? For him? Yeah. <laughs> uh that's a good question. For I would say else? What are we talking about? Uh, well, for me maybe, I don't know. Uh Oh, it, I see. Like uh, I I don't know. I think the chances are pretty slim because he struggles to work the phone. But if he is listening, that'd be great. <laughs> he has asked my mom several times, like, "How do I? What does he say? I think he's like he says something like, "How do I call the the recording or something like that?" That <laughs> makes it clear he doesn't quite understand how it works. But well, that was a few weeks ago. So if he is listening, I hope he has a speedy recovery. If he's not listening, you don't care though. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the listeners should know that uh mike is under strict orders to keep his achilles his heel his leg elevated so this is the most laid-back podcast that any of us have ever done why why is this podcast different from all other podcasts <laughs> on this podcast we recline <laughs> uh, so good uh excellent excellent well mike uh may 2022 only get better for you uh Fingers crossed, baby. All things, yeah, I'm not going right, to say any more right. than that. Don't want to jinx it. <laughs> no expectations. Uh, let's do some emails, Mike. Oh, emails. Okay. Um, so the first email is from Pedro. He links us to a 538 article. Uh, it says, completely flew under my radar. Definitely a must read. Uh, maybe we can tweet this out. Um, but it is an article about a uh, science experiment, I guess. Uh, where basically they showed people footage of real soccer games uh, and then they showed people footage of a sort of a computer simulation of the same game and asked people sort of to compare the two teams. Um, And so they looked at two things, uh, race and gender. So in the first instance, it was a game between Senegal and Poland. Uh, So Senegal's players are all black, Poland's players are all white. And they said, which players are more athletic? And in the game footage... uh, the people who watched 70% said Senegalese players were more athletic. Uh, in the computer simulation, 62% said Poland was more athletic. So this kind of gets to, you know, a long-running issue in, I'd say, sports commentary that, you know, black players are described as powerful, athletic, quick, uh, and white players are described as, you know, technical. Um, and this this article and this experiment kind of gets at, you know, an opportunity to really I don't know, test, test that theory maybe of like, who's actually more athletic by sort of covering people's, you know, covering the way people look. Um, And then before I get your guys reaction, they also did a a similar study looking at at gender. So they had a game between, they had an NWSL game and a England league two game. um, And they basically said, which one is better Uh, in the video? 57% said the men's game was better, but in the simulation, 59% said the woman. So again, same thing, but now, 
uh, with gender rather than race of like wh- when you actually remove, uh, you know, how players look uh, and you don't have that unconscious, unconscious bias that people have, you know, people actually start thinking differently than than they think. So what do you guys think of this? I mean, it kind of confirms things we already knew, but where, where do we go from here? I, yeah, I mean, I would just say it just confirms everything that we that we already know, um, and the rhetoric that's used by announcers, uh, I think, is a is a big culprit of this. Um, changing the language, uh, being a little bit more purposeful with uh, the words that we use um, to describe things needs to, you know, really be kind of looked at and and thought about, um, but. This is like I don't know. This for me, this is not that surprising. Like this is something that um, is an issue not just in soccer; it's everywhere, right? Uh, that inherent bias uh, or unconscious bias, like you said, Mike, is something that is uh, there's. It's a through line through everything, you know, social. Um, you know, when you think about uh, policing, when you think about, uh, you know, job interviews, um, education, who's getting uh, who's getting disciplined within the within the classroom, the words that you use to cer- certain students, everything like it's just a through line through everything. So um, this is more of, of a of a like, um, you know, we're, we're looking at a specific problem within the world of football, but um this is not something that's just soccer related. But even not quite expanding as far as you are, which I think is correct, but in other sports, right? I mean, the way that commentators talk about quarterbacks in football, mm-hmm. um, the way they talk about, I don't know, like point guards, like, you know, Steve Nash versus Steph Curry versus Allen Iverson, whatever. Like those guys may not, they probably do. I don't know anything about basketball, but like, just the the way that they're thought of and remembered uh, and discussed is so different. And I think it's based, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's not confirming any or finding out anything that we didn't already know. Um, I think part of the problem is that so many of the commentators, which is how we all um, ingest so much of this, like a lot, most of us don't watch raw footage without commentary, right? Most of us, uh, watch the halftime or watch the highlights which have commentary over it so the the commentators themselves have such an outsized influence and all these guys are or girls see there you go uh are from an old generally from an older generation that grew up in locker rooms at a time when uh there was a lot more uh explicit bias i think and so basically i think the way to try to tackle this is that the networks or the whoever's broadcasting it has to do training with those people or get new people in that are like a generation fresher and less just like less in a position where their go-to comments are just based on like, oh, he's athletic because he's black or like, oh, he's such a smart player and a leader because he's white or like it doesn't have to be that way. Like you can say much smarter things about people and we just need to go find broadcasters that can do that. Yeah. And, and I think fire, that's actually more and interesting. And fire Alexi Lawless. Just fire, fire Alexi Lawless. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I think also, I mean, this article doesn't really get onto this, but I wonder if this could be part of the solution is 
there's so much more data around the game now where it's a lot easier to say like, oh, which players actually are more athletic? You know, you can measure different things. You can measure top speed. You can measure ground covered. You can measure, I don't know. Sprints the, per game. Yeah, sprints per blah, game. Blah, blah. Um, and you can measure technical things like passing percentage and, you know, how many times they've lost the ball. And, you know, it seems like you should be able to, um, you know, essentially rather than, and, and I don't want to make sports too, you know, we don't want to make it just a simulation, right? Uh, of, of just like only about stats. I mean, there's there's more to it than that. But at the same time, you can use those stats to say to, I don't know, prove might be too strong, but you can say like, okay, well, this team they've they've covered more ground, or you know, they're the the data shows they're faster, rather than saying you know these kind of like um, more I don't know flowery words or, or like you know kind of less less. Things less based in fact, I guess, uh, is what I'm trying to say. And and finding a way as a commentator to sort of weave those things in in a way that's interesting and not just like spewing facts, I think is part of what can sort of put away some... I mean, obviously, there's there's all the bias and, and some people just, they're going to keep being biased. But, but I think if I was like a producer of a show, that's the way I would be pushing things of like, let's let's move away from you know, describing things qualitatively and describe things more quality or quantitatively. And just like, it's actually more interesting. I think of like Tony Romo as a commentator who is telling you what play is going to run before it runs because he knows the game so well. And you know, that is so cool. And I, I love it. I don't know. Maybe some people hate it, but it's like that level of ability to provide color commentary is so much more interesting than like, uh, oh wow! What a what an athletic play there! It's like no, let's talk about like w- the next level. Mm-hmm. It's too easy to be so superficial. Talk about the next level. It's more interesting anyway. Yeah, yeah. Mike uh, Mike wants more tactics talk. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> all tactics all the time. But I mean, to, we we know like you know the the most athletic people in the world. You know Usain Bolt. He like tried to play soccer. I don't know if it was serious, but like didn't work. He's incredibly fast. He's the fastest man of all time. But clearly there's more to it than just that. And so I, I like your thought, Dan, of like, how do we actually talk more about why things are happening and not just describe them, I think is important too. Or you could just get Taylor yep. Twelman to yell at you about things too. So. <laughs> there's also that possibility. Uh, I don't think this is all about the broadcasters, by the way. I just think that's a really good place to like attack the problem yeah. because it has such a trickle-down effect, right? Um because so much of what we consume is through that. So that's, I think, that would, to me, would be the first step. Yeah, I mean, really, I think really interesting study. Uh, and I'm excited to see kind of where this goes. I think there's probably a lot more that you can do with this. And, we sh- you know, we should say, like, it's not a big deal for us. But I'm sure there's a lot of people who, who don't believe in this bias. And so seeing actual data behind it, it's not going to affect all of them. But hopefully it'll at least open some people's eyes up. Uh, next email is also from Pedro. Uh, he just wanted to give us a little bit of a lowdown on how sidewalk shoveling goes in a land of no snow. Uh, <laughs> I'll just say one thing uh, from his email. He says, there is a, quote, friendly gesture where people rat you out uh, to the city for having too many, leads, too many weeds on your front lawn uh, where there's no need to spill about that. Um, man, Pedro, I could talk a long time about, like, stupid code rules yeah. uh, in cities and I, I won't get into it. That'll be 
me and Palmer, it sounds like that'll be a, a separate pod where we talk about city municipal codes. Um, <laughs> but I don't know, Dan, we didn't get a chance. You probably have, you know, more shoveling experience on the, the on this pod than, than anyone else. And I feel like, come on, we now. should just. I, uh, I feel like Palmer's right in there. Palmer, you were, Palmer, you were living in Montana. You were living in a, a a big building, though. You didn't have to like shovel sidewalks in your big building. I mean, the amount of shoveling that I did from age, I mean, five. My dad was out there making me shovel when I was five. Tiny little red shovel. I remember that thing. Uh, to the age of eighteen was a lot of shoveling. So, all right, I, I didn't mean to make this a competition. Put some but respect I will say, on my name. There's a lot of respect. I'd like to apologize to you, Ryan. Uh, but Dan has shoveled a lot, and as a man who has shoveled a lot, anything to add to last week's furious discussion on shoveling? <laughs> yeah, I think Ryan, if you're gonna shuffle down to the corner, you gotta finish the sidewalk. Because if you don't at least, yeah. if you don't finish the sidewalk, they still have to go out there. They still, you know, you're not saving them a job. You're yeah. just cutting their job down. I know. You gotta at least go around the corner. Don't do the driveway. That's a different job. They can choose to do that or not. But if you're gonna do any sidewalk, you gotta do all the sidewalk. You're right. Yep. Right. Yep. <laughs> I hate. I should have turned the corner. I knew I should have turned the corner, and I should have continued and just shoveled my neighbors too. But it was gone in two days. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've given. I. I also own a shovel. I don't shovel anymore because it's just not worth it. <laughs> it's really What's the not. Point? It's really not. Because you're out there and you know everyone's just going like, what, what, "Where's this guy from? He's <laughs> shoveling." <laughs> and it's true. And it's true. Yeah. It's true. The thing I liked about Pedro's email here is that it got me to Google what Xeriscape X E R I zero Xeriscape versus Xeroscape. Are they different? Uh, I thought that was a typo. Yeah, Xeriscape is uh, the usage of low use, low water use, and drought tolerant plants. Xeroscape is specifically more gravel and dirt with few or no plants. Ah. Uh, so it's kind of the I don't know desert aesthetic versus the. Uh, hardscape aesthetic so so, so uh, maybe like maybe the equivalent to shoveling a walk would just be if you're out in your yard pulling some weeds just go over and pull a couple weeds from your neighbor just a couple <laughs> you don't have to do the whole yes. yard just a couple <laughs> let's see what pedro says i like it but i don't know it also feels <laughs> like based on what dan has just schooled you on that once you start you can't you have to do the whole thing that's true so it's a slippery slope. <laughs> you pull one weed, all of a sudden you've committed to weeding your whole neighbor's lawn. All of it. All of it. Uh, wow. Soccerthread at gmail.com. Look at that. Look at that. Uh, some English soccer this week. Uh, th- this is the thing that I love, actually, the, just because it strikes me as so petty. The Arsenal Club... Uh, filed with the league i guess to have their game against tottenham postponed yeah. apparently because they have they have a covid concern but they also have general rash of injuries they they're missing players to africa cup of nations um so they're very thin roster right now so they petitioned the league to uh, postpone their game against tottenham tottenham instead of doing like a closed door you know complaining to the league that this was granted because uh And the reason that they should complain is because this rule about postponing games is supposed to just apply to COVID uh, and not like other sundry reasons that you have a a thin squad, right? 
if if you don't have enough players, like you knew that this player could get called up for African Cup of Nations, that's on you. You yeah. should have more players on your squad, right? Whatever. So those reasons are not supposed to be valid. It's only supposed to be a COVID thing. Uh, so Tottenham, instead of like complaining to the league behind closed doors, like I assume happens all the time about every little thing, because I assume all of these people in charge think that they are the most important person on earth. So they complain to each other about everything. <laughs> instead of doing that behind closed doors, they publish an open letter, uh, which is just so beautiful because I I think, Palmer, it's just meant to rile up the Arsenal fans. Is that the only? Yeah, this whole thing is just so stupid. I don't, I don't know what side to stand on on this one because, I mean, I, I, I understand, like, Arsenal, be better about managing your squad, right? But if there is legit, I want to believe that there's legit, and this morning there were more positive COVID cases within Arsenal's camp uh, that, you know, maybe they hadn't have tested or whatever. If you're Arsenal... I want to believe that this is done above board and like out of concern of COVID and like not using the pandemic as an excuse to not play a game because they just played a game on Thursday. Um, And, you know, you're doing this out of safety for your players and safety for the other players and and whatever. Um, But then like, the rhetoric around all of this is is ridiculous, right? Like, there were I was exchanging texts with Burge, a great friend of the pod, um, and he he had some like tinfoil hat, like Shaka got a red <laughs> card because they didn't want to play this game this weekend, so he did the red card on purpose so that they would be down, you know, players. Have and you been fewer? Oh yeah. god! It, so it's just Burge. The, the thing. The thing is, Love is it. that you know, COVID. Spurs have had multiple games postponed because of COVID. It worked out in their favor because they didn't play Ren. Uh, you know, they they got to skip a couple European games because, you know, they they got to rest essentially because they had COVID, right? So it's just it, all of this is is ridiculous. And to to say that they're like leveraging a pandemic for the better of their squad to me. I feel like it feels grimy if that's true. And I just don't want to believe. And I'm a Spurs fan, right? So I'm looking at Arsenal just being like, you know, I'm giving Palmer. you the benefit of the doubt. But I know, Palmer. I know. Earmuffs. I know. Earmuffs. Okay. <laughs> this is exactly what they're doing. This uh. is exactly what they're doing. Of course. Uh, I mean, all these clubs, they are pushing the limits as much as possible. And this letter, it just makes me think of... You know, my, my true sporting love these days, which is F1, where during the race, you can hear like the, the general manager of the team calling to, you know, essentially the FA equivalent and complaining about various things. And right. you can hear during them the going back and forth. And that's exactly what this is. Uh, yeah. And it is very entertaining. Uh, I feel like, you know, we talked about getting the Premier League on Bravo, and it feels like that's exactly where we're going with this kind of move. <laughs> and I'm here for it. It's Got great. It. But then, you know, there's like, uh, you know, Leeds is pissed off because they had to play. They had to bring up like young kids in their uh, in their youth program to play against like Liverpool or something. I don't know. Because uh, and they were down a ton of senior players um, and they didn't get that game postponed. The thing that is weird about this is that, you know, if you knew 
you had you had a game on Thursday. Shaka got the red card on Thursday. Uh, they didn't petition the league on Friday. They petitioned the league on Saturday evening. Like Premier League games were done, and it was breaking news: Arsenal's petitioning the league to postpone the match. So to me, it's you know that is ridiculous. That's absolutely Shaka's, ridiculous. Shaka's red card was in the twenty fourth minute. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's not like Burge, it was the 92nd, and he was like, "All right, time to do it." Burge <laughs> had that tinfoil hat on. He was like, he, "He's like Shaka had his marching orders were get a red so we can postpone this Arsenal or the Look, Spurs it, game on, on just Sunday." Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not out to get you. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, I, this this theory from Burge it might be from you know the darkest corners of Reddit or whatever or Twitter, but it's it's it, not. It's got to be Reddit because that's that's even too crazy for Twitter. Like. Yeah, that's somewhere dark. I love it. I just picture Burge in the uh, the always sunny gif with Charlie <laughs> on the board and just like <laughs> drawing up like text messages between Shaka and and Arteta. Love it. Uh, I I mean Burge is like super smart above board, not crazy in any way. It's no. just so funny that like if he loves a sports team, then it's like there. Oh my God, can you believe this? Sports, that's what they do to you. Yep. Amazing. Uh, other Premier League stuff. Uh, the, your paper game of the week was City versus Arsenal, uh, especially after Tottenham. I'm sorry, City-Chelsea after Tottenham-Arsenal was uh, postponed. Uh, City come out 1-0 winners over Chelsea. Uh, Mike, did you feel like this mattered? Like, was interesting in any way to you? Um, No. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I just... You're asking the wrong guy. You're barking up the wrong tree. For me, it just feels like, um, one, what Tuchel's done to City. I mean, he won the Champions League, so he's he's done well. Uh, but City or Chelsea this year just seem disastrous. Uh, and they're in second place. I know, but just the the trajectory of the team, and then he kind of threw Lukaku under the bus after the game. Yeah. I don't know. It just felt it. It never felt likely that Chelsea was going to win here. Uh, you know, City kind of squeak one out, whatever. Um, I don't know. I just couldn't get excited for this. I feel like, you know, the the title is not quite gone. Like, I'd say Liverpool or Chelsea could could turn it around. But, I don't know, I said this a few weeks ago. It just feels like there's not a lot of title left, title race left in the league. Yeah, I I would say simulated at this point because it's like a... It's 11 points. 10, yeah. Yeah, 11 points to Liverpool with uh, 16 to play. So this is going to be my question. I heard once in a basketball game that you figure, a, like on average, a team can make up a point a minute. So as long as you're within like one point with one minute left, whatever, something like that, that seems crazy saying it out loud. But I I think I've heard some like rule of thumb like that for kind of trying to figure out when a basketball game is out of reach. For you... Palmer, mm-hmm. what is the equivalent of that? So we're at uh, eleven point gap, sixteen to play. Oh, when man. do you really say like, man, it's dusted? I would say it's got to be. It's got to be under, because you have to figure. I mean, maybe Liverpool plays City one more time, right? Yeah, they. Uh, I don't know. They could, right? So. That's kind of like a six-point swing, right. right? So I would say 
uh, I would say under 10 points. It has to be under 10 points for, for there to be a, a At this legit... point, as, as the season goes on, like that 10-point number will be less relevant. Like the, the right. minute per game. So, I, I mean, I would say like, you know, these, these teams don't drop a lot of points. Like City's averaging right. like well over two points a game. So right. for me, it's like, I don't know. You know, I think realistically, you wouldn't expect a team to make up more than one point a game. Even that feels like a lot. Um, and I guess they're within that. They're within that range now because there's whatever sixteen games left, and it's eleven point deficit. But to me, it's like, I don't know. Maybe half a point a game feels like possible. Maybe a little bit more, but. Yeah. Unless there's some like historic collapse, because even an amazing run from Liverpool won't do it, right? right? right. You need the the corresponding collapse from City to also occur at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, even if City just do pretty well going forward, you know, they 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 probably have it. I mean, guys, Spurs have four games in hand, so we'll definitely come back. <laughs> so they're still in it. Yeah, still in so it. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> I'm trying to do math. I think that puts them even with Liverpool if they took maximum. They're in second. Spurs are basically in second place. I mean, we're practically champions. It's pretty close. Crown it's us. Close. <laughs> um, other interesting news from the Premier League: Norwich beat Everton. Everton went to Norwich. Uh, went down two 0 early. Got one back. Uh. Not a good look. Norwich isn't good. I mean, look, uh, I don't even know the guy's name anymore. Josh Sargent didn't score, so it's it's not like you know it really turned it around for them. But he, he did uh, create an he, own goal, and, and he celebrated like he scored it. And he played what eighty nine minutes or eighty seven or something. Yeah, not good for Mike. It's, not, it's about the only thing that went good for Colin. I'm doing a quick Sargent watch uh, calculation here. Um, it's very close. It's, I mean, it's really going to come down to the wire. For those who don't remember, Colin and I made a bet. Would Josh Sargent get over 45 minutes a game <laughs> on average? We're at 46.9 right now. So we Six, have to hope. 16 games left. We have to hope for a little bit of a dip in form. Maybe they bring in a striker here to try and shore up the team. Mike, what would you say is the minutes per game before you just have to simulate this out? <laughs> yeah, when are you going to buy those? When are you going to buy the socks? <laughs> oh, it's too close right now, guys. It's too close. <laughs> They're still within. Okay, all right. Uh, but the big news was that this was the uh, the straw that broke the camel's back. We woke up this morning to the news that uh, Benitez out at Everton. Uh, a real shame that we couldn't get Colin on the pod to talk about it. But Mike. According to your uh, text message emojis sent, you were pumped about this. Uh, I mean, I'm just pumped for Colin's sake. Uh, <laughs> Everton have really been in shambles this year. Um, and Benitez is clearly not the guy to get him out of it. And I'm excited because uh, one of Colin's favorite ex-Everton managers, uh, Roberto Benitez, uh is apparently Roberto Martinez. Roberto Martinez. Martinez. Jesus. <laughs> uh, Roberto Martinez. It's the Meds. It's the Meds. It's the Meds. Uh, Bobby Brownshoes, as Colin likes to call him, is yeah, uh, that's the hard part is remembering his real name. Yeah. It's the nicknames that we go by. Is is in pole position, and so I would love that for Colin. Uh, we definitely see a much more adventurous Everton, not necessarily a better Everton, but um, I mean they are. They're in legit threat of being relegated right now. They're right. So 16th is that place. the right decision? 
is is Martinez the right decision? They're in a releg- they're in a legit relegation battle. Is Martinez the right decision to pull them out of the relegation battle? I mean, I they don't they don't need to they need to draw games essentially. Retreads. They need to draw. If, if and we're like, doing other retreads, right? Sam Oliver. Where is Big Sam? Big Sam. Where is Big Sam? Bring him in, Tony Pulis. I, you know, usually teams at the bottom they bring in a, a Big Sam or a Tony Pulis because they don't have a lot of talent, um, and so they're like, well, we don't have talent. At least we can defend well and get shape. And Colin would probably argue with me, but I think Everton has some decent attacking players. Um, you know, Calvert Lewin. They've got Gray. Um, so you know, maybe Bobby can can whip them into shape. Uh, and it doesn't just have to be parking the bus. So I don't know. I'd like to see it happen. I think it'd be great. Absolutely great. Uh, Big Sam currently not employed though. So there you go. Something to think about. That's got to be pole position. <laughs> it's got to be. Uh, there was another result I was pulling up. I wanted to talk about what was Leeds, it? Oh, Aston Leeds beat, Villa. Leeds beat uh, West Ham three two. Aston Villa two yeah. two. Yeah. 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 The return of okay. Coutinho. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great storyline. United go up 2-0. Uh, Aston Villa get two back to to preserve a draw at home. Uh, Coutinho scores the, the try, tying goal, I believe. So this isn't on the run order, but uh, Manchester United. So it's been what? It's been nine years since Sir Alex left, give or take? I don't know. It's been several years. They've run through a lot of players. They've run through a lot of managers. They just fired their uh, technical director or uh, you know, some kind of uh, guy above the managers. You know, th- it just feels like no matter who's there, things kind of keep going the same. Mm-hmm. And so what, you know, what what does a club have to do to kind of change its fortunes? You know, I feel like they, they brought in this new manager and it doesn't seem to have done anything. And it's, it's still early, maybe it just needs time. But like, I'm just genuinely curious, kind of, how does a club get from, like, this sort of stagnant point to back where at least their fans think they should be? Hire such a good Roberto Martinez. <laughs> I thought you were going to say hire us. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, you you have to figure that they're they're trying to reverse those fortunes, right, by this managing carousel. Um and maybe they should have made that decision earlier, right? Maybe they stuck with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer a little too long. Uh, it felt like when that hire was made, that felt like it was more of a caretaker kind of thing and uh, not a forever hiring. And so that, you know, his expiration date or his shelf life, they kept him way beyond his shelf life. So maybe that's the issue, right, is just knowing you know, when to make the change so that you're, you're hiring the right manager at the right time with the right players. I think there's a lot that goes into, um, you know, being a successful team. Like if you look at city, uh, and like, and pep, like he had to get his players in. It wasn't, um, it wasn't set up for him immediately. And I remember when pep first came there, he struggled and we were like, Oh, is this, is this it for Pep? Like, is he that great of a manager? And then he was able to get his players in, his goalkeeper, uh, you know, playing his uh, ball-playing goalkeeper, um, and, like, get his tiki-taka working. And now he's, like, you know, Pep is the greatest manager of all time. City's 
setting records, da 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 da. Same thing with Clot. But all of these guys have shelf lives, shelf lives, and they want their players. So you know, it's uh, this balancing act between getting the right manager and then being able to get the players that the manager wants. And I don't think Ole was very good at being like, this is the player I want, right? Like they're speaking of retreads, right? They're bringing in Ronaldo, who's whatever, probably over his peak, right? But he's still a great player. Um, yeah. But it's not the right signing. Like that's not what you need to spend your money on because he's not going to win you the league. Like that's he's this great story, whatever. But he's not going to win you the league. Um, so I don't know. It's it's a very complicated uh, uh, equation, I think. But timing, yeah. I think, is huge. I was gonna agree with you that uh, you can you know do whatever you want with the manager, but the players also have to stack up. And so, like looking at kind of the two dominant teams in the league recently, Liverpool, I think to some extent got very lucky that Klopp turned out to be as good as he was or is. Um, I mean, obviously he was good at Dortmund and he had come through, through, uh, Mainz at Germany, I think. And, but like, I don't think when Liverpool brought him in, he was nailed on like Pep essentially was when he came to city. It was Mm -hmm. still, it was exciting. It was like, everyone thought it was a good, um, move to get Klopp in, but it, it wasn't a guarantee and it turned out amazing. So you can't replicate that in any predictable way. Uh, City went and got Pep and then followed it up with um, dumping the money into their payroll as well. So there's a lot of stability that you can generate by just having the best team as well as a manager that you're willing to stand behind. Uh, So what I was going to say was that United's players just don't feel as good, right? If you're going to find somebody like Pep, I mean, find a manager that you feel like is, is nailed on to be at least quite good and then back it up with <laughs> the players. But I just pulled up the uh, EPL team payroll tracker from spottrack.epl.com or something. Manchester United, according to this, and a lot of this is private, so I don't know how they come up with these, right? But Manchester United's payroll, uh, where does it rank in the league? First. First. By uh, like 50 million pounds over Chelsea. So 227 million, 200, yeah, 227 million pounds in total payroll, Chelsea, 162 city, 141. Wow. So they're like far and away, apparently paying their players the most. So sorry, but all of this to come back around to what Palmer was saying, the way that they're spending their money, Mm -hmm. it's not the manager. It's not the players. They're overpaying players that aren't good enough and they don't. So it's, it's boardroom level. It's front office level. I don't think it's players and managers that Manchester United need to be looking at. I mean, I don't know. For me, it's always been, well, always, for the last several years now, almost a decade, it's been hard for me to evaluate United players because it just feels like things are kind of constantly in flux, in shambles. And there's all these debates about, you know, oh, is player X good enough? I mean, it, it seems like often it's it's Pogba, but, you know, it's you know, there have been other players thrown in the mix as well of like, oh, is this guy actually good enough to do X, Y, and Z? And then, I mean, with Pogba, just because he's the, the most often target, you know, he looks incredible for France. Uh, he wins a World mm-hmm. Cup with France. So you're like, okay, I mean, something's going on here. Obviously, it's different different types of games. But it's just, it does kind of make me scratch my head a little bit with United of, 
it's it's not a money issue. It's it's something else. Whether it's players aren't good enough, they're spending on bad players, or once they get the players in, the the system's not right, or whatever. Um, and well, I, I mean, mean they, I, they spent a ton of money on Harry Maguire, and that didn't pan out really. He's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just it's it's interesting to just kind of see them continue to flounder and. Uh, I would imagine at some point in our lifetimes they will get out of it, but but maybe not. We'll see. I have a question about um, Coutinho. What is his what is his legacy? Like when he was at Arsenal, he was great, right? Liverpool. Liverpool. Or, sorry, Liverpool. Yeah. Uh, he was great. He was great, right? Like dominant uh, was good for. Felt like kind of a a, a worldy goal, like once every mm-hmm. one or two games, almost maybe three, right? Um, transfers to Barcelona and I don't know did he play at all I feel like he was on the bench a lot uh, and then comes back to Aston Villa like what what is his legacy like what's the narrative be- behind Coutinho is he is he going to be great again is he a great player is this just like having a bad I saw a, te- uh, um, a tweet that was like Proof that having a good agent in football is really important. Um, so are you asking what his legacy is or what will happen now that he's on Villa? Both. Like, what is his legacy as a player going to be? What's and his, what's his what's arc? His, yeah, what's his, what's his, how's this transfer? We know transfers don't work out, but will this one work out? How, how do you give the, uh, ma- not the manager, the agent the agent? Credit. The agent almost certainly is the one that got him to Barcelona. I know. Yeah. Well, that's the point, right? That, that I think the point of the tweet was that the agent made a bad move for his player, right? The Barcelona move, the Barcelona transfer was a terrible idea. And I think at the time, like Klopp was manager and he yeah. was like, don't go to Barcelona. Like yeah. you were going to sit on the bench and you're going to be in the wilderness for however long. And we're not going to bring you back. Like you were at the top of your of your game yeah. and don't do it's that. It's a wrong move. But I mean, maybe it wasn't. Maybe he just wanted money. Who knows, right? I mean, um, I, yeah. I think he probably had a nice little payday, a uh, nice big payday when he moved to Barcelona that he's still still getting. Uh, so, you know, like a lot of players, that's important for them. But I think in terms of yeah. his his legacy, like, you know, Coutinho, I, I think the, the quote that I've heard, and it's not a quote because I'll probably get it wrong, but Claude basically said to him, if you stay here, you can be a legend. Uh, and if you move, you'll just be kind of another guy at Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, that's it kind of is, you know, essentially like he's going to go down as a player who, you know, we're frankly, we're probably not going to talk about to, you know, our kids or to each other in 20 years. Or if we talk about him, it'll be like, oh yeah, he was, he was a nice player. He was okay. Um, as opposed to, you know, maybe if he had stuck around Liverpool, uh, you know, we would be talking about him as, you know, a a legend at Liverpool or, you know, a, a guy who led them to the, the Champions League of the Premier League. And he did win a, a Champions League at Bayern. So we should maybe note that, but he wasn't an important player there ever. And he's just kind of bounced around the wilderness. And so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think he'll be a nice player at, at Villa um, in the sense that, you know, he'll probably be a focal point and get to get to be on the ball a lot more than he was at Barcelona. But you know, it's hard to imagine him doing anything there that's going to really sort of define his career or, or change his trajectory. He is only 29 years old. Wow. So, not, not young. That. 
but he's like right in his prime, like mm-hmm. maybe just the other side of it, but right in his prime. Uh, and over the last few years, he's played uh, 12, well, you know, 14 games, 16 games for Barcelona. Uh, he did go to Bayern and play 38, but that was a couple of years ago now. So his legs also should be pretty fat, fresh for like a top class 29-year-old footballer. I kind of think Aston Villa's done a great thing here. They might have an amazing player. They might not, you know, who knows if he can find <laughs> his magic again. But I I really like this for Villa. And I also, I don't have any reason why, but like, like Coutinho, like mm-hmm. would cheer for him. Um, maybe just because of the way he plays, he seems very like fun. I don't know personally, obviously, if he's a good dude or not, but like, I would love for this to really work out. Um, Villa seem like a kind of a fun team with Gerard in charge now. Like, it could all, it could all be very fun. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens anyway. Yeah, I agree. I feel like Villa is is one of those clubs that like uh, was just this huge club for a while. Uh, it's obviously been been a while since they've been a big club. Like 80 years ago? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, in I'm trying to think of like what an equivalent is in like American sports. I, don't, I feel like college sports maybe. You'd be like, uh, there's certain like football teams or basketball teams where you're like, yeah, well, they're not really yeah. good anymore. Like, I don't know, Penn State. No one's like Penn State's yeah, a like dominant Nebraska. team. But you're like, yeah, that's just like a big, there's a big culture around the sport there. Yeah. Uh, and I feel the like Celtics, maybe something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, you know, it's hard to imagine Villa becoming like a, a elite team unless they get bought by, you know, somebody really rich. But um, I don't know. It's, it's fun to see these old big teams who've kind of gone down a little bit, maybe get a little bit of flair back. Also, if Manchester United had brought Coutinho back, we'd be laughing at them for uh, <laughs> wasting more of their money. That's true. So yeah, but they've yeah. got like twelve guys who play his position already, so that right. would be appropriate. That's right. That's right. Uh, anything else out of the Premier League? That's all I got. That's pretty good for a, me. Not watching any soccer this weekend. I didn't watch a, pretty a good, minute. Yeah. Yep. It's a good weekend. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about: uh, U.S. Men's National Team stuff. We've got qualifiers coming up January twenty seventh, which is uh, less than two weeks away. That is a Thursday. Uh, the U.S. host El Salvador in Minneapolis, Minnesota, I believe. Columbus, or is it the Honduras? Oh, let's talk about this. Is that the Honduras game? Oh, the Honduras 2nd. game is, yeah. is in Minnesota, yep. Okay, right. February 2nd, Honduras. Uh, yeah, let's go there. Let's go there. So USA hosting Honduras. Mike Samuelson, what does the Achilles do to that equation for you? Mike, can, can you, you still walk or ski 20 minutes to the game? Yeah, actually, <laughs> can we get out. A- can we get a, a predicted forecast for February second? Can you uh, can we scale back I'm, and make I'm a little done, prediction here? I'm done with predictions. I'm done with predictions. <laughs> um, will it will it be above ten degrees? Uh, I'm done with predictions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my lawyer does want me commenting on weather going forward. Um, wow, that's that's trouble for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, existing weather is okay. Future weather is, is probably oh, okay. All right. Good. Uh, yeah. But so one thing about this game, just anecdotally. Uh, so I, I know a few people who have tickets who are trying to get rid of their tickets for whatever reason. Um, and it's proving to be very difficult. 
and you would not expect that for a home qualifying game for the U.S. Important game uh, in a small, you know, it's not like a eighty thousand person stadium; it's a twenty thousand person stadium. And to me, that indicates that you know a lot of people don't want to sit outside uh, in Minnesota in the beginning of February. Um, and you know, we've spent most of the time talking about this decision to host the game from a player standpoint and a team standpoint, like, does it hurt the team? Um, but it feels like there's a good chance that, you know, this stadium may not be full. Uh, I would say it's, it's more likely that at the end of the day, like, you know, people who bought tickets, who don't want them just end up taking a shower. Uh, but that's also not good either. Like, you don't want your fans losing money on tickets because they can't go or don't want to go. Um, and again, it just points to like this being kind of a stupid decision to host this game here at this time. Do you think that uh, as the game gets closer, like it's just too far out, it seems too like crappy to be out there right now. You're thinking about it. It's three weeks away. If the U.S. beat El Salvador, go to Canada and win... People get more excited. All of a sudden, this is a team that's uh, we're feeling much more confident is going to qualify for the World Cup. Maybe the demand picks back up. People get more excited to go. I mean, I guess on the other hand, if we tr- drop some points and everyone's angry yeah. and want Berhalter out again, then like nobody's going to. Yeah, show we up. drop some points yeah. and then all of a sudden it's like a polar vortex and it's going to be negative twenty <laughs> degrees. So, I mean, yeah, it could it could go either way. But you know, if you're setting up like a a game you would rather have like more certainty that it's going to be filled. It's going to be filled with people who are like very excited to be there. Uh, you're not going to have, I mean the, the whole process, I don't know if we've talked about this, but there's also like a lottery to get tickets and it's like very sort of confusing and intricate. And it's just, I mean, it's all basically like how much money can we squeeze out of fans? Uh, which again, I get it. That's modern sports, but it still sucks. Yeah. Especially if then the secondary market, they're going for $5. <laughs> right. Like, what's the point? Um, the other thing about these qualifiers I want to talk about is that uh, Alfonso Davies, who had COVID or still does, or, you know, I don't know if you could, whatever. Um, but he's been having prolonged issues and is likely out for the U.S. men's national team versus Canada game up in Canada. Um, he's been out for several of Canada's matches, I believe. Uh, Mike... What's your kind of reaction to Alfonso Davies and his ongoing health issues? Yeah, I mean it's it's something kind of scary, right? It's like a, a heart heart condition, I think, or um, yeah, it's, it's that it's whatever the thing that Joe Rogan thing doesn't thinks doesn't exist. That's what that's, actually exists. It turns out isn't that a lot of things? Um, but, <laughs> it's all of them. Yeah, I mean it, it's not just like oh he he pulled a hamstring and is out. Uh, you know, it feels like something potentially very serious. So. Hopefully, from his perspective, it's not. Uh, from a U.S. perspective, I mean, it's definitely nice that, uh, you know, the their best player won't be there. Um, but frankly, like, you know, I, I would think that we should be able to beat Canada either way. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm, I don't, I guess I don't really have strong feelings about it. All right. Well, yeah, I mostly think that, uh, we haven't seen a lot of like top level athletes that we all care about that have had uh, actual health issues. So it kind of lulls you into the sense of complacency about how serious the, the illness can be. Um, so it's, 
interesting to see somebody that that has not been true about um maybe he's not quite top level enough for a lot of people to care yeah. at least you know outside of like munich and canada but uh it's yeah you don't like to see it yeah i mean uh this also just reminds me i saw something that christian erickson says he wants to play in the world cup this year which is wild uh and i i hope he can yeah if he wants to more power to him um i think we should stop it there we had an item about a portland timbers the front office continues to be a bit of a shambles uh around ev- absolutely everything um but you know we've talked a lot already we don't need to go on more tangents so uh maybe we'll talk about the timbers again someday soon but we'll leave it anything else last thoughts thanks cliff be kind be kind cliff be kind that's right uh, I think Palmer's not talking because he lost his recording and it makes it way easier if he, if we don't have to clap him back in. He's nodding yes. Palmer says goodbye. Mike says be kind. I say goodbye. Uh, we'll talk next week. Thanks, guys. See ya. Thanks, Cliff. But no more personal optimism on the podcast. It's too dangerous. Who else? What are we talking about? Why Why is this podcast different from all other podcasts? On this podcast, we recline. Mike wants more tactics talk. All tactics all the time. Oh, Aston Villa. Right in his prime. Right in his prime. Isn't that a lot of things?